What is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Pixels Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brad, joined by my co-host, Micah. Hey. And back for the first time in a month, because she is not writing music for the first time in a month on a Tuesday. <laughs> Arranging music, rather. Uh, Playing, rehearsing music. All of it. Yeah. All of it. All it's of Carrie. It. Yeah, hey. It's Carrie. It's um, me. You're going to have a lot to say about Monster Hunter Rise, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so, Micah. Before Carrie gets into all that, you'll be excited to know that I finally was like, all right, I think I think Outriders is it. I think this is it. So I'm like, we're going to make this happen. And I'm like, you know, every, it seems good. seems fun. Um, the, the reviews are solid for it from people that are, you know, discerning about these types of games. So I'm feeling confident and I'm like, just what I needed. The, the, a game that people said is the most like Diablo since Diablo came out. And I said, wait a second. I own Diablo 3. And I booted up Diablo 3. And I've been playing about 10 hours of that over the past week. Because they just started season 23. And uh, Diablo is really fun. For, the, for those that didn't know. <laughs> for, those, for those that didn't know, this game that came out 8 years ago has still stood the test of time. As being an incredible oh. time sink. I, uh, I I love the fact that, uh, see, had this been like the olden days mm-hmm. where where Micah would, would literally uh, spend his money on anything, um, the fact that you showed interest in Outriders <laughs> meant that I would have bought it because that's how much I respect your opinion <laughs> when it comes to video games. And boy, am I glad I didn't. Uh, the game is fine, but uh, I would have bought it because I'm like, okay, Brad's going to get it. And, you know, maybe we can find time to like play together sometimes. And and uh, just like, oh, well, maybe maybe he can. And uh, uh, this would be awesome, right? And then you wouldn't have got it. And I'd have been fucking mad. Yeah. Well, so so here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about Diablo 3. It's immensely satisfying. What, yeah, a, what, no an, what an immensely satisfying video game to just sit there and boot it up. And 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 so like the season. So, so for those of you that may have played Diablo 3 way back when and haven't gotten into it. So season, they, they do a season like once every three months essentially. And a season in Diablo, it's a free update. It's pretty cool. But the whole hook of it is you create a new character that starts from nothing. Start, starts at level one. You know, nothing on you at all. And it's basically the grind. Like, you start out in adventure mode right away. Uh, There's all sorts of guides to get yourself, like, ways to game the game to get leveled up, like, super fast. Um, By doing, like, the challenge rift and getting a shitload of crafting materials and then crafting, you know, uh, the preferred legendary for your class, but since you can't equip it because they're level 70, but you can use Kanai's cube to extract the legendary power that it has so that you can run with that and get like a massive damage boost early in the game. So you can just mow down through everything and gain like 20 levels in 20 minutes and, you know, all, like all this other stuff. Like it's like it's an, it's an efficiency game really at the end of it. And uh, and it's fun. Like beating the shit out of things is just so much fun. The end game content in Diablo is very focused on specific activities, but those activities are designed 
really well for replayability. And then it's fun to have a character that you then just get to use regularly after the season's over. They just become a regular, a regular character in your character pool. Uh, you get a, you know, unique ar- or, uh, armor set unique to your class. That's different every season. You get a pet. It's fun and it's free. Like if you own the game, if, the, if you own the game already, it is, it doesn't cost you a thing other than time. What a good ass game Diablo three is. And so my, my philosophy is that Outriders, if it's in, if it's if it really is that good that warrants me playing it, uh, it'll be around later in the summer. It'll probably be on sale. And since it's not like a live service game, since it's not a game that relies on you, you know, being on when other people are also on and and when the game is popping, um, then it's it'll still be fine to go back to. And and all the bugs that are in the game are it will be fixed. So like people won't be losing their all their inventory and shit like that, that apparently has happened to some folks, which is unfortunate. And, uh, yeah, and that'll be fine. So Diablo and a few other things will hold me over. Cause like I downloaded enter the gungeon cause that's free on PlayStation right now. Haven't played it yet. Uh, I beat ration clank. I might consider like collecting all the collectibles in the game. I don't know how much I want to revisit it though. Um, like the game is fine, but once you beat it, there's not a whole heck of a lot to do. And there's a few other small titles that'll get me by for the next uh, the next 30 days, basically. Because that's really all I need. You can hold out. Uh, I'm trying to find things to occupy my time um, until, you know, a month from now where uh, I can obsess all over again for, for Mass Effect. So. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, Ma- Mass Effect's laying just enough breadcrumbs to keep me at maximum height. They released a trailer yesterday. Uh, showing the difference that, uh, you know, re-texturing the game in 4K uh, has on the graphics. And it looks incredible. Yeah. And it's going to be great. So, yeah, Diablo 3. It's on sale for 20 bucks. the Eternal Collection on PlayStation, if you don't own it and for some reason want to check it out, even though you haven't seen fit in the past eight years to to give it a shot. So, <laughs> so there's that. So, Carrie... You've yep. been playing Monster Hunter Rise. Been playing a lot of Monster Hunter for Rise for the last several weeks since it's been available. Since it came out, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How's that going? I've got like seventy-five hours in the game already. That's a lot of hours. Um, it's a lot of hours. Yeah, I've been doing really nothing else. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's super good. Uh, the changes from World are significant. Um, like they they got rid of the whole slinger aspect. Um, so now instead you have the wire bug. Um, which is fun, like getting that sort of movement mechanic down took me a little bit, but like once it clicked, I was, I'm like, cool, I'm Spider-Man now. Neat. Um, yeah, I mean, it's super fucking good. Um, there are certain aspects about it that feel a little more like older Monster Hunter games in so much that you um, you have your village quests, which are like, exclusively solo quests and then you have your hub quests which are different um rather than world which just sort of mashed everything together um world in in world capturing the monster was basically always the right choice to do if you had the option to do so um but now it's you get different sort of rates of material drops if you capture or kill something. Sometimes you can only get certain materials from killing the monster. So now sometimes you have to kill the monster. 
Um, it's it's a good blend of the sort of general quality of life updates that World provided and the, I would say, easier learning curve that World provided with some more old school Monster Hunter ideas. Um, I will say that like the story ends a little abruptly. Um, I know that they're like basically patching in like the actual story ending at the end of the month. So it's Kingdom Hearts 3, basically? Ah, yeah. A little bit of that. Um, It it almost feels like we're in sort of like a holding pen right now. (laughs) (laughs) And that Capcom sort of just like, relax, the rest of the high-ranked content will be coming. Um, So on the plus side, that means that people who are maybe on the fence about it and like didn't buy it day one, um, can, you know, wait a week, see what other people are saying about it and still have plenty of time to like catch up before they unlock the level cap and do all this other stuff for high rank. So, so one thing that you can help me understand about Monster Hunter Rise, uh huh, how comparable is it in scope? To Monster Hunter World, like is are is this meant to kind of like be the, a sequel of sorts to Monster Hunter World, or is this appeal uh, sup- supposedly appealing to a different audience? I think it's supposed to be a continuation of the momentum that they had from Monster Hunter World. I mean, Monster Hunter Rise sold something like five million copies in yeah. its first week, <laughs> which is a lot of copies for a game that is supposedly a niche game with a small audience. Like, I feel like. We need to recognize the fact that Monster Hunter Rise was one of the first AAA game releases of the year in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the audience for Monster Hunter is is only continuing to grow at this point. Gotcha. So, so has has World seen like a significant dip off, or because this is exclusive to the Switch, it's it's not cannibalized. I don't think it's cannibalized either. Uh, that being said, my husband sure as shit lasted all of about four and a half days before going out and buying a Switch <laughs> so that he could also play Monster Hunter Rise. Um, so, like, it's a system seller in that regard. Um, I'm sure there are lots of other people who played World on PC or on Xbox or PlayStation who didn't have a Switch who are like, oh, apparently this game is like, I've seen it called the best Switch game since Breath of the Wild. Um, I don't know that I 100% agree with that, um, but it's up there. So it's moving systems. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know about the numbers drop off on World. I haven't been super paying close attention to that. I can tell you I haven't really been playing World since Rise came out, mostly because like I've been at the end game of World ever since they dropped the last content update for that game, which was in like October. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, cool. I have like my full Fatalis armor set. I have the best weapons in the game. I have the best armor set in the game. I have all the decorations I would ever need. Like I, I, I have hit the apex of monster hunter world and I've been there for months. So to be, to, to be able to then like start all over again, I'm like, cool. It feels like I'm, building something different now and and that's why seasons in diablo is fantastic because it's all about the the chase and the progression that makes those games fun so very good very very cool so yeah very awesome yeah i see a lot of my folks a lot of friends of mine who uh are into those games are playing 
a lot of Monster Hunter World or Rise right now, rather. So, I wonder if I should ever go back and give that game another chance. Monster Hunter World. I would say so. I mean, like, it's, it's, I didn't love Monster Hunter. So, I I did not love Monster Hunter earlier. Like, I I played like the 3ds one so like try i guess was on the 3ds and i tried it and i just didn't love it like that series didn't click for me until world and now i literally spent many hundreds of dollars on <laughs> monster hunter cosplay <laughs> this whole corner of my room is just monster hunter plushes i'm a mess i'm a mess uh yeah i mean they they really like they nailed it they nailed the balance of weird niche technical stuff with like genuinely fun easy to understand action rpg gameplay with world and they're just carrying that with with rise so and rise is going to get a pc release next year so any other consoles or just pc just pc yeah but there's a demo on switch right yeah there's a demo on switch yeah, my uh, my brother in law, he uh, he came over to my house on Easter, and he always brings his uh, switch with him because uh, who the hell wants to hang out with me um, when they can be playing video games? And um, he was playing it, and he was telling me about it, and said, "All right, maybe I'll give it a shot," because uh, I was telling him about you know how I just the controls aren't they don't feel intuitive to me. They everything feels a little clunky. Mm. Uh, I mean, me. that's the thing is like some of the weapons are super quick and hard hitting um, or super quick and light hitting. And then you have like your great sword, which is like you're not going to hit super often. But when you do, it's going to count for a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's all about finding the the weapon that matches your play style. So that was my biggest problem. I really couldn't find anything that I like to play, uh, play with. Um, I mean, there's always the gun i didn't like the gun <laughs> you didn't like the gun <laughs> no i didn't like the gun yeah um, i i sometimes pick up a fucking heavy bow gun now and again because sometimes you just want to go daka daka into a monster space <laughs> for a half hour <laughs> yeah finding finding gun builds in dauntless that were a lot of fun was also a challenge at times because because dauntless was like very very basic like you basically just you know, could fire weapons at whatever attack speed you had and then you had some special like one shot power ups that you could do that would that would uh cool down and really the key of that game is just how can i up my attack speed just so i'm just firing off bullets like crazy like crazy mm-hmm. thing. and just spending the entire battle fucking strafing the entire time like literally running in a circle around the monster trying to target specific points so well, as far as new games coming out, uh, there are a few. Uh, Demon Skin uh, is out on PC as of yesterday. Uh, the Final Fantasy XIV open beta on PlayStation 5 is also available as of yesterday. So, Micah, uh, are you ready to run back down that rabbit hole? Uh, no, because um, I, would, I wouldn't come out. <laughs> and and uh, I, I really enjoyed that game. And... Um, I just, um, the only reason I stopped playing is because I met my wife (laughs) and, uh, and, and, you know, like, that's just, I, I, I can't, I can't divide my time. You know what I mean? (laughs) But, uh, and and I don't know how to stop. 
like once I start playing something like that that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, I had a friend he was trying to to get me to come back to it, and um, and I really like Final Fantasy fourteen, but nah, I, I'm good. Uh, well, you can also check out Ash Walker's A Survival Journey on PC on April 15th. Uh, Carly and the Reaper Man comes to VR on PC, same day. Uh, Saga Frontier Remastered comes to PC, PlayStation, and Switch. Uh, Super Meat Boy Forever comes to PlayStation and Xbox on April 16th. And Tribal Pass comes to PC, or pl- sorry, PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch on April 16th as well. All right. Um, nothing I'm looking forward to, but that's just me. Uh, Saga Frontier Remastered is like on the way outside of my periphery at this point. Like it's there. I know it's there. I've only I met. Got, one I got other person. shit going on though. I've only met one person in my life uh, who is really into the Saga games. I also have that person in my life. I think. Yes. The, I think it's the same person. It it may very well be, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't know too many people that are into the saga franchise. So. Here's what you need to be into: go to densepixels.com/fans. Wow, doing so will get you an invite into our Discord. Yeah, that link that link's not going to work for too much longer. So, oh, uh, densepixels.com/fans. Yeah, because well, that's that's directly connected to the Facebook site. So, <laughs> oh, when I do it, it goes straight to Discord. Oh, does it? Oh, sweet. Um, that's, oh, Jay must yeah. change that. So, never mind. Uh, we, let's, we're uh, good. We're good. Let's uh, let's give it a shot. Densepixels.com slash fans. Bam. Discord. Discord. Good. Discord. Good launches. for you, Jay. Good job. Yeah. Good job. That's the only reason I've been saying it because. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea that change happened. Yeah, because we because we are well. I guess we're not sunsetting the Facebook group at this point. Um, I know that getting close though. It, well, a couple folks asked to to keep the uh, TNP fan group on or the like the Nerpocalypse fan group as well as look forward going on Facebook. Um, so look, if we have any listeners, uh, and when I say listeners, I mean like longtime fans of Dense Pixels who we can trust that are interested in upkeeping the moderation on the Facebook page. Uh, I might consider that. That's why I haven't winded it down yet. I just have also been lazy and not solicited that information yet. So reach <laughs> out to, uh, reach out to Micah actually, if you're interested in doing that and, uh, and we'll consider that uh, as we figure out what we're going to do. But basically none of us are going to moderate that shit anymore within a week's time or so. <laughs> so yeah. in, 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 it's, it's, it's not that we hate you people. Yeah. It's just that it's a bit of a pain. Let, um, so I, I, I need, I need everyone not not to get on too much of a tangent during the ad read, but I, if you've never moderated a Facebook group before, uh, I just need to understand how painful it is. And it's twice as painful now as it ever used to be because the algorithms on Facebook in terms of netting stuff and blocking it is out of control Yeah, right now. And it's insane. And it's just not a fun platform. I mean, Discord is not perfect either, but. But at those, least we're in control of this. We're in control of it, and those of us that are using it are having a good time. And it, and it just feels a lot less pressure to yeah. to keep up with it. In the same Discord way. feels like more of a conversation. Yeah. Uh, plus, you know, I can filter the fucking dumb memes and shit posts into their <laughs> own channel rather than having to dodge them to have actual conversations with people. Yeah. You know, so. 
So yeah, it's it's good. We've we've streamlined the groups on Discord. Um, it's we have fairly active people in there. Uh, so yeah, go to Discord. Yeah. Stop using Facebook. Yeah, densepixels.com slash fans. And and like Micah said, try it. You might like it. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just different. Uh, it worked gangbusters during uh, WrestleMania. That it did. That it did. Yeah, it was much better than uh, people literally posting, posting, posting. Like it was, it was cool. Uh, you know what else is cool? YouTube. Sometimes only if you're going to YouTube.com/slash dense pixels. When you're there, don't forget to subscribe. Click the bell notification icon, and uh, sm- smash that like button. Smash it and and uh, <laughs> and all the stuff that uh, that wacky YouTubers say. While you're on the internet, subscribe to all the TMP Studios podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, including the Nerdpocalypse podcast, Black on Black Cinema, Coming Distractions, and the weekly preview episode of Look Forward. If that's not enough, five dollars a month, fifty dollars for the full year. You can go to densepixels.com/slash/premium and subscribe to our back catalog of amazing podcasts including the airing of grievances no time to bleed the men with the golden tongues upstage conversation and the full two hour ish episode of the look forward political podcast look let me tell you something man if you think just because government is kind of is not being run by the reality tv show host that you think politics is boring again Nah, bruh. There's a there's a there's a literal there's a literal alleged pedophile walking around in Florida named Matt. And he's he's just a he's just a crazy, crazy guy. And I believe this week Jay and Brad kind of uh kind of enjoyed uh, uh giving doling out the news on old Matt. Matt the pedo, allegedly. Very cool. Uh, new episode upstage. I know is coming out soon as well. Uh, that was just recorded. And again, I believe that's already been posted. Oh, hey, there you go. So that's up. Yeah. There. And uh, and me and Micah, like I said, we're still collaborating to try to figure out when we can do my uh, my fun idea that I have that I think that fans of this podcast especially will really enjoy. Hmm. Men with the golden tongues. So. Yeah, the uh, the latest episode of Upstage Conversation uh, on my favorite musical, uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Um, it took me fucking 800 years to, like, actually get Jay to sit down for a half hour and, like, do the show. But, like, it's out now. So <laughs> if you're a premium <laughs> member, please listen to it. So uh, Nintendo had an indie showcase today. They um, did. About 20 minutes long. Uh, they had a few... Big announcements, uh, and in no particular order, uh, a new narrative-driven game called Road 96 uh, was shown off. Uh, Oxenfree 2 is coming to Nintendo Switch, uh, I believe, later on this year. Yeah, Oxenfree 2 was sort of their, like, one last thing announcement. Um, So. Heard good things. I heard really good things about the first Oxenfree. I didn't play it, though. Uh, a new game in the Ali Ali franchise, Ali Ali World, uh, is coming. This is like a side-scrolling uh, skateboard game. Looks very fun. Uh, I yeah, would it looks. If you're into stuff like Excite Bike, it might be, might be interesting to you. Yeah, it looks super funky. 
Uh, Aerial Knights Never Yield is a runner uh, with a really cool setting. Uh, it takes place in like a futuristic Detroit, but a Detroit that's inspired by Tokyo. Uh, it has a very unique soundtrack if you watch that during the trailer. Uh, it's coming out May 19th. There's a demo that should be available as you're listening to this that you can check out and play if you'd mm-hmm. be so inclined. Uh, a game called The Longing, which is already available on PC, uh, released today on the Switch, uh, which is an, an odd game that takes 400 real-time days to play. So, like, basically, when you when you start this game, it starts a 400-day clock uh, where you play as uh, a shade who's the last servant of a king who ruled an underground kingdom. And the clock runs whether you play the game or not. And you are given the 400 days of time to, to do the game, and that's it. Whether yeah. you play the game or whether you don't play the game, you have 400 I, days. You could theoretically open the game, start the timer, and come back in 400 days and not have done anything in between. Yeah. Um, but that's there are apparently a bunch of different endings, um, not all of which actually require you to take all 400 days to, to finish. Um, so... Yeah, it's an interesting concept. Um, it's based on some old, I think, like Nordic um, legend, basically, of a of a king that basically has to, like, sleep for X amount of time to regain his power. Um, so the idea of, well, what, did, what does that king's servants do when he's gone? <laughs> um, yeah, if you're interested in sort of like an idle thing to do... Um, the longing is certainly something to check out. Yep. Uh, Fez, one of the most notable uh, indie games ever, uh, released on Nintendo Switch today. Uh, so, again, it's available to check out as you are uh, as you're listening to this. And then uh, a couple games from Annapurna, uh, who is a very popular publisher. Uh, Hindsight, which is a game about discovering memories through objects. And Last Stop... Uh, which is the next release from the studio that made the game Virginia uh, that are both coming out this year. So cool stuff. Um, nothing that I was particularly looking for, though I will say that even though I'm not a big runner guy, the uh, that Never Yield game uh, looks very interesting and sounds very interesting. If you want to hook me in uh, to a fun game, give it a good soundtrack, and I'm at least going to give it a second look. So Yeah. Very, very cool. This thing would close. That'd be great. Uh, Nintendo also last week released uh, essentially what's the replacement because now the Super Mario 35 uh, has gone away. The Mario Battle Royale, which, like I said, I played a bunch when it first came out, but it didn't stand stick with me like Tetris 99 did. Well, I have a feeling this one might do a little bit better uh, because Pac-Man 99, uh, the Pac-Man Battle Royale game, is now available to play on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, brilliant idea. Fucking brilliant. Like, low-hanging fruit. I'm surprised it took this long to to get this out there. Yeah, it's... um, I, I like the concept of, you know, throwing more... <laughs> all the ghosts you eat get thrown to other people. And it, I feel like this makes more sense than Tetris, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, I've seen it... Uh, I've seen it played. I haven't played it yet. Um... But it looks like fun, man. It looks like a lot of fun. Here's what I know about Pac-Man 99. 
I will not be nearly as good at Pac-Man 99 as I am at Tetris 99. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, ex- I don't expect to see a, uh, a top three finish in my first game of Pac-Man 99 as I did, <laughs> as I did with Tetris 99. So uh, I'm going to give this one a shot. I, I enjoy, well, I, I enjoy unique takes on Pac-Man like Pac-Man vanilla um, does not do it for me that much. But like Pac-Man Championship Edition, I fucking loved. Like I, I adored Pac-Man Championship Edition, um, and so I'm hoping that this can do something similar in feel um, to that game. Now this this does. I mean, I I've seen a little bit of it. It looks more vanilla Pac-Man, but obviously like the the extra, you know, ghosts coming in and and the interaction with the other players, I think could give it a flavor. Uh, that's that's very fun. Yeah, man. Um... <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I mean, it would be nice, you know, if it had the championship edition, like, you know, uh, uh, look, um, updated look, but whatever, man, like this looks, uh, this looks cool. Uh, more Nintendo news as well. Uh, there is a new color, uh, Nintendo switch light coming out. Uh, and that color is blue. No special, <laughs> no special names, no, no gimmicky terms. Just, just, just blue. Just blue. That being said, it's a very specific shade of blue that is not, not quite, but very close to that sort of indigo color. Yeah, thank you. That the That's original, GBA. that the original uh, Game Boy Advance yeah. released with. It's, it's I like a, it. It's I have no more, need for a switch light. It's a little but. more periwinkle than that color yeah. is. I think. Mm-hmm. I like it too, though. It's a good color. Uh, it's a nice. Uh, so like like the colors on that that currently exist for the switch light to me uh, are like you can either get like really out there like bright colors, which is not really my style, or you can get gray. And that kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. This is a nice, nice sort of subdued option you know is, it's um, not it's not like teal or yellow or pink um it's uh it's just sort of chill yeah it's like not quite purple it's like it's like blueberry stain on your lips blue you know <laughs> what i mean like it's not uh it's not offensive is what i'm saying yeah it's nice uh, i like it yeah I like yeah it. it's kind of cool uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations, which is the largest Muslim civil rights charity in the United States, uh, put out a press release uh, impl- in imploring Sony, Microsoft, and Valve to not publish uh, six the upcoming six days in Fallujah. Uh, some of the quotes that they said is that uh, they called the game an Arab murder simulator. Um says that the game reveals the gaming industry's Islamophobia problem, that it would, quote, only normalize violence against Muslims in America and around the world, uh, and that video games like Six Days in Fallujah only serve to glorify violence that took the lives of hundreds of Iraqi civilians, justify the Iraq war, and reinforce anti-Muslim sentiment at a time when anti-Muslim bigotry continues to threaten human life. Um, I'm not a supporter 
a six days in Fallujah, the game itself. Um, for I think reasons, it's a terrible concept for a video game. Oh, sure. And, and for reasons <laughs> that we've detailed on the show, uh, partially because I, I just don't have any confidence in any current studio that exists to deftly handle the subject material. No, yeah, no, this is definitely a game that was written and developed by a bunch of fucking bro dog white boys um, <laughs> who probably have Blue Lives Matter stickers on their trucks. <laughs> that being uh, said, um, if you are crafting a game based on real life history, it's a harder argument to make to call on these platforms to not publish it. You may not like what the game is saying, but again, if they're if they're basing it in reality and not ratcheting it up to eleven, essentially, um, I don't really understand the calls to strike it down. But again, I that's not saying that I trust the developer to handle it with with a lot of couth. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I, I understand. Um, I even understand why they want it, and I'm not saying you don't understand why they want it. Uh, to not come out. I, I I think what you're getting at is they're going to have a harder case to make mm-hmm. if these companies legit don't, you know, if these companies want to produce this thing, they're going to, they're going to need a lot more sway considering all of the pre all, all of, all of modern video games history mm-hmm. when it comes to military first person shooters, right? Like, and and I'm not saying that uh, you know these folks don't have um, a leg to stand on. Uh, there's countless evidence, countless games that are are evidence of the uh, Islamophobia issue. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, I I don't know if this is going to. I still think this game is going to come out. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I don't. I, don't, I, I think, think it's that. going to come out, and it's going to get terrible fucking reviews. Because as far as I can see, the initial like trailer wasn't particularly well received. As far as the gameplay was concerned, it feels like they're putting it out for the sake of putting it out. At this point, it's not to tell some grand, you know, hero rah rah U.S. Marine story. <laughs> yeah, it's they always trip me up. It's shit. it's just to fucking do it at this point because yeah. they tried to do it 12 years ago. They didn't do it. And now they're, you know, someone dug it out of the ground to try and put it out today. And, you know, and it's it's not just the Council on American Islamic Relations that's pushing back against it. There are veterans committees that are pushing against it. There's for very for you know, very different reasons, by the way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like we're there's we're getting it from all sides like. It, it appears that large representatives of all sides of the conflict are like, don't fucking do this. So, I mean, they're going to do it and they're going to do it anyway. And no one's going to like it. And it's going to get a 16% on fucking Metacritic. And that's going to be the end of that. <laughs> yeah, the, the, iron, the irony is, is that all the calls against it are getting a lot more digital ink spilt for this game than it warrants. Because like you said, the yeah. game is probably not going to be remarkable or good any good in any way shape or form <laughs> um it's it has novelty because of what it is in the history behind the title itself um yeah. but yeah the game itself is probably going to be garbage so 
just don't worry about it. I guess <laughs> like it's it's not going to be that big of a deal. I don't think. Yeah, like what is like like is that the is that the advice that you give to these people? Just like, just like hunker down and wait for this shitstorm to be over. Because on one hand, yeah, I get that, but on the other hand, like fuck you, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like like I don't want this shit to see the light of day. Uh, and and I I completely understand you know bringing it up. It, 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 this thing is like a this thing is like Freddy Krueger, right? Like if you keep talking about it, it gets more power, right? Like it's yeah. definitely going to happen. But uh, you know, at the same time, I just it, it if it fucking sucks, man. And and if shit like Grand Theft Auto can be talked about and talked about and talked about and talked about, like. I got no people bringing, I got no people airing their grievances about this. Uh, it's probably, like you said, it's not going to help the initial like wave of interest in this game. Um, the only thing that's going to squash that is if it's a piece of shit game, which it kind of looks like. Yeah. But, um, but I think you do talk about it. And I, I think that you talk about it not to, prevent the game from coming out, but you talk to a, you talk about it based on to, to talk about the larger issue, mm-hmm. which is, you know, everybody's, everybody's beef with everybody else. Well, and, and, uh, and to, to be a little fair to the developers of the game, I mean, this statement's coming out. No one's seen the finished product yet. So you don't really know what you're rallying against. Like, I understand mm-hmm. the statement comes out after you've seen what the product has to offer, you never know. Maybe, maybe maybe you have amazing writers that can handle this thread thread this needle. Again, not counting on it, but doubt it. Yeah, but uh, but you never know what story might actually get told at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't think anyone's expecting this game to be anything worth writing home about. Um, something that has been surprisingly worth writing home about apparently is Outriders. We talked about up top. Uh, but of course they did have some, a rocky launch weekend, uh, as we detailed on the show last week. Well, people can fly are going to give players a community appreciation package soon for their patience in dealing with the launch server issues. Uh, anyone that played the game prior to April 11th, uh, will receive a legendary weapon, uh, some of the end game titanium currency and the frustration emote, which people can fly, people can fly said was not uh chosen intentionally uh the emote was actually in development before all of this stuff uh kicked off apparently the reward will only go uh to the each player's highest leveled character uh because that character's level will determine the power that the legendary uh drops at and the amount of titanium that they'll get so if you want to make sure that that free weapon is worth your while uh grind and get leveled up <laughs> to the max so that you can have a nice end game weapon uh, that you'll get. So apparently nothing players will have to do. It'll just show up when it shows up. And so you get some free stuff to look forward to uh, for dealing with some frustrating things at launch. Um, here's an interesting story. So a report came out from Jason Schreier of Bloomberg uh, that says that Sony for some godforsaken reason, is remaking the original Last of Us for PlayStation 5. And there's a studio called uh, Sony's Visual Arts Service Group, which is a support studio 
uh, that took on a PS5 – like they took on development of the remake with approval from Sony. But then Sony handed the project off back to Naughty Dog, which has caused a lot of frustration uh, at that studio, including the senior leadership of the studio leaving because uh, they were upset that the project was taken from them. So that's annoying. Um, and I understand why folks might be frustrated. I also understand why Sony might want to make sure that one of their tentpole uh, games getting a you know fresh coat of paint is in the safest hands possible. What I don't understand is wanting to make a ground-up remake of the original Last of Us, a game that only came out about eight years ago and has already received a next-generation update on the PlayStation 4. Well, what if you what if you're one of those people who only have a PlayStation Five and not a PlayStation Four? Yeah, who, even my, though you could play those games on your PlayStation Five. That's that's what. I'm, who's this for? Like 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 what? <laughs> what it is? It feels very much like doing it just for the sake of doing well, it. it but like, like I don't know who's grab. asking. It feels like a cash grab. It feels like. That, yeah, you you could allocate the resources needed to do this to to new things that would be better. Who's asking for this? Like 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 who's really seriously asking for like man? Like I played the Last of Us when it came out. I played it again when they re- when they released it for PS4 with the better graphics and stuff like that. But man, I I just really wish they would make a from the ground up remake of this game that I've already played twice and want to throw another $70 at because I just love the last of us so much because it's the best story that's ever been told in a video game. I really, really want to blow my brains out. And so let me play this depressing (laughs) game. Um, uh, so in terms of like a remake, like, Mm -hmm. all right. Like I, I would assume that naughty dogs, you know, Technology has advanced far beyond. Sure. I haven't played The Last of Us two yet. Uh, I, would, I, I would assume that their technology is, you know, the the video that you're watching, um, the mocap and all that is is like better than the original Last of Us, which was very good uh, in, in, in the original Last of Us. I, which is why I don't understand why you need to remake it from the ground up, but. Um, Unless it's going to have like a different ending, but why? Because the sequel is out and the sequel kind of depends on, there's only one other ending you can do for the last of us, the original and the sequel kind of negates you from doing it. Mm -hmm. Seeing as how you play as one of the characters. I don't, I don't know. This is, this is very weird. This is, this is bad form. Sony, what do you, uh, I, I don't I don't understand it. Now that game originally came out on what PS3. Yes. May, okay, so maybe that's their logic that it came out two generations ago. But again, it it came out late in the PS3 life cycle, so it was like running at the top of what the PS3 was capable of. Yeah, producing. that was like I I was still working at GameStop when yeah Last of Us and first and it came got out. a and it got a 4K HDR edition. Right. So like. This is just a fucking shitty cash grab. Yeah. Why would you spend the money to make this when you could just fucking 
up-res it again for PS5 rather than doing a whole... Or don't even up-res it. Just, just do the PS5 <laughs> like, hey, you know how before you had to choose between f- resolution and frame rate? Well, not anymore. Not and anymore. Just, and, and smash it together. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and that's the thing. Like, I, I, like, what is the actual audience to pay $70 for a remade edition of the original Last of Us? I mean, have you seen the way The Last of Us 2 fans defend The Last of Us 2? I mean, I guess. They'll get it. (laughs) And maybe maybe they're thinking if each one of those people buy this remake, it'll be worth it. Look, here's another case, by the way, of, again, Last of Us was part of that, like, welcome to PS5 package that they gave the PlayStation Plus subscribers, like the, the PS4 version was literally given away for free. So it's like, hey, you have this. We're going to make this thing that's marginally better and charge you for it. I'm going to say, now I'll take the thing that's pretty that's still pretty good instead of the thing that costs $70 and is marginally better. Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> so in cool PS5 news, uh, a new, the, like the first major system update for PlayStation 5 uh, is live, and it's it's already installed on your system if you have automatic updates. A um, couple features that some folks have really been asking for for a while. So you now have the ability to store PlayStation 5 games onto a compatible external hard drive. Uh, you could not do that before. You can do it now. Uh, notably, you cannot play games off of the hard drive because as we've detailed before, like the hard drive that PS5 uses has to be like a certain speed and there's really no commercial ones available yet uh, that can do it. Uh, but it's apparently much faster to transfer the games back and forth than it is to delete and then reinstall it later hmm. or copy it from a disc. So that you got that going for you. Um, share play can now work cross-generation. So like if you have a person that has a PS4, uh, the sh- you can share play PS5 games with them, including allowing them to try your PS5 game on their PS4, which is an interesting little thing. Um, they're they're tweaking the mobile app that much more. Um, you'll be able to join multiplayer sessions from the app within the next couple of weeks. Manage your console storage from the app. Uh, these are all very good things. There's also some hidden features that for some reason they didn't announce. And I don't know if it's because maybe they're not like ready for prime time, but I'll, but they're pretty big deals. So now um, if you have a monitor that can, that runs up to 120 Hertz uh, there's now select games that'll run at 120 FPS on PS five. Um, which is cool because that's something that Xbox has done, but notably PlayStation did not do that when it rolled out. Uh, you also have the option to switch the console video output to non-HDR automatically when you're playing games that don't have HDR support. Uh, your HDMI device link now works much better, so you can actually turn on and off your display with the with you know by turning on and off the PlayStation. And if you turn off the display, the PlayStation is connected to. Uh, it'll put itself into rest mode. So now you don't have to hit 17 buttons to navigate to the rest mode thing on the PlayStation 5. You can just turn your TV off or turn your monitor off, and it'll turn the system off for you. So that's pretty cool. Um, That's nice. And you can also disable in-game chat 
and hide games from your game library as well. So a lot of cool features, uh, some nice quality of life settings. Uh, Micah, well, how do you feel about these uh, PS5 updates? Uh, I'm excited about the storage. Um, you know, I don't mind transferring games, whatever. I, I, I got a, I got a couple terabyte, uh, you know, regular old external drive that I use that I use for my PlayStation four. Uh, but I never hooked it up to the PS five. Cause I'm just like, I, I'm not touching nothing. I'm not putting anything in there until they say it's okay to put it in there. Uh, so now that I can do that, I don't mind, uh, downloading a couple more games um uh it's not a huge pain to re-download a game because i finally have a internet worth a damn Mm. but um it's just nice to to be able to do that the uh the uh working with your monitor uh is really nice um because i can like i would be i could turn my xbox on through my controller and Xbox would come on. The Xbox would boot up before the, and I would be at the home screen before the 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 television uh, is is up and running. And the television don't take that long. Um, so, and I I always had issues with the PlayStation mm-hmm. doing that. Um, so that's cool. Um, I this is a good update. This is a solid ass update. Very cool. Finally, in the news. Uh, so this, this is some fun, a fun news story. So there was a game that was announced last week called Abandoned. Uh, and it's from a studio called Blue Box Games. And they're a Danish developer. And they showed the trailer off. And people watched the trailer. And they, they, they sat there and they scratched their heads and they said, this looks an awful lot like the demo for Silent, Silent Hills PT. And so the internet decided that this game from this Danish development studio is actually secretly a Hideo Kojima game. <laughs> to the point... That the blue box put out the following statement, quote, we received several emails regarding the Hideo Kojima rumor. We have no association with Hideo Kojima, nor do we claim to have any association, nor was it our intention to claim such a statement. We are a small group of developers working on a passionate title we wanted to work on for a long time. So, yeah, <laughs> the, the Internet is wild sometimes. Mm. That's what they want you to think. That is, well, like I said, they they they've, they've done a successful <laughs> job of throwing you off the scent. Exactly, so. exactly. I mean, if they were if they were actually a part of it, do you think they would admit it? <laughs> right, like like they're 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 giving they're doing the old they're doing the old Watkins one two on you. They're vehemently denying while secretly actually cute. You see, that's yeah. what I would do. <laughs> Danish, Danish developer. Everyone knows that Hideo Kojima's favorite food is a Danish. Hello. <laughs> the truth is out there. 
<laughs> this is where you have to dub in the fucking X-Files scene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we might get a copyright strike if uh, <laughs> if we get that. Um, That's funny, man. That's funny. Although, you know what? I'm I'm with it. I don't mind a, I don't mind a, a, an entertaining conspiracy theory. Uh, I, I I I'm a, I'm a part of this. Carrie, when did Hideo Kojima emigrate to De- to um, Denmark, and why did he leave Japan? I couldn't tell you. It's <laughs> a wild thing, and and now because of this denial, like people are speculating that Kojima might be like working on a deal with Xbox Studios, which at least has a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more base in plausibility, I suppose, because Xbox is, seems to be like snapping up all these notable folks right now. That's that's fair, yeah. you know. All right. So fun story, uh, but that is the the news for the week. Uh, everybody, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go to densepixels.com slash Amazon for all of your Amazon purchases. You go to densepixels.com slash Amazon for all of your Amazon purchases. Not only do you help out the show, but you help out Jeff. Jeff is is a a man on a mission to become the first super villain. And he needs your help. The only way you can help him is to go to densepixels.com slash Amazon. And you help us too. Though we, and you though, help we are, us. though we are not striving for super villainy. No, yet. no, not yet. Um, uh, yes, go to uh, what did I? What did I? What was the last thing I bought when I went to densepixels.com slash Amazon? I bought this. Look at that. Look at that. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, look at that. That's uh that's Tommy Wayne there. That's Tommy Wayne. He's uh He's what every father is um, when their when their child gets murdered, uh, right in front of their eyes. They uh, they 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 get a couple of desert eagles, uh, put on a bat suit, and just go around killing people. Uh, that's what happens. You know, that's what Charles Bronson was missing in in the Death Wish franchise is is having a Batman outfit to go to to be a vigilante. <laughs> I think that would have really turned those movies up an extra notch if that was the case. Last thing I ordered from Amazon was uh, the Terry and Banjo-Kazooie Amiibos. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, look, think of it this way. Think of it this way. The sooner we get a supervillain, the sooner we get a superhero. All right. Go to dustpistol.com slash Amazon. Before Carrie, before Carrie uh, walks off into the sunset, we do have some post office <laughs> questions uh, before the wrestling. And they're all kind of for her as well. Yeah. So uh, first, Casa asks, your favorite Palico gadget? All, all Monster um, Hunter related too, by the way. So <laughs> Yeah, all of these are Monster Hunter related. Because I said, I'm like, I've been playing Monster Hunter. Feel free to ask me about Monster Hunter. You can ask me about anything at any time, but everyone's asking me about Monster Hunter. Uh, so currently... In like in world, um, I tend to switch between like the the choral orchestra for buffs and the plunder blade, which will um, knock additional like pieces off of the monster for like when I'm trying to grind out parts. In rise, I've basically just been rolling with healing stuff because it's nice to have a healer. <laughs> 
I can I can worry about knocking shit off the monster myself. Um, but I've I've basically just been rolling with sort of heels and heels and buffs and rise from from my palico. And so uh Steve asks, uh the kezu. Is yes, the phallic the resemblance intentional? I you know what? I don't know. Capcom's certainly been out here promoting Lady D's like foot size and how bigger dump truck ass is. So with Capcom, you never know. It feels intentional. Uh Kezu, for for those who are unfamiliar, um, is awful. I fucking hate fighting Kezu. Um, Kezu's a very first generation monster, was introduced in the original Monster Hunter, and they brought him back a few times. Um, so he's in Rise. And he looks like a, a chicken cooked by a 45-year-old soccer mom. Um, he, he looks like a fucking unseasoned boiled chicken with a dick for a head. Um, it's awful. And the fucking worst thing about fighting Kezu, um, I guess across the series, but, you know, in, in Rise, it's it feels really stark, is it's dead silent when you're fighting him <laughs> there's no background music the music cuts out completely when you're fighting him um yeah awful hate him um the first time i fought kezu and rise i was like i think i found the least favorite thing in any video game ever i fucking hate <laughs> this dude uh and then matt coco asks uh with the announcement of the house of the dead remake uh shows sega is willing to farm out their unused franchises to developers of semi-notoriety who's a developer that you would like to see tackle an unused franchise from any company give golden sun to someone please but who, <laughs> like, that, but who? that's, that's who i mean yeah <sighs> Like I, I am admittedly not super duper familiar with a lot of um, like indie devs, so um, like I, I don't know, I don't know who's done like a good JRPG style indie RPG um, that I would say, okay, yeah, like that, you know. Um, other than that, I don't know. Someone like if they're doing House of the Dead, they should also do Typing of the Dead. I would play the shit out of some Typing of the Dead, mostly because I would be very good at it because my words per minute is over a hundred on a very consistent basis. <laughs> I would speed run the shit out of that game. So yeah, like I I don't I don't know. Like if you could tell me a company that's done like a good JRPG indie game, then that company should do golden sun. But I don't know that there are many out there that are doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, give, uh, the easy one, right. Give, uh, Castlevania to Capcom, right. Um, with other, uh, who should do Silent Hill? Like I don't want I don't want Silent Hill to go to Capcom. I want. Hmm. I want uh, Wouldn't I want, you want to see it done by like the same folks that did like the Evil Within franchise? Yeah, something. Yeah. Of, something that, like of that, that of that ilk, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Castlevania is probably it. Um, mm, not Capcom though, Micah. Would you like to see a Castlevania 
done by from software perhaps oh yeah you know what that's um hmm. that's i mean i wouldn't play it because i you know <laughs> that would mean it would be really hard i mean the Ca- but, castlevania um, is really hard usually yeah yeah it's a different type of hard though yeah to me um castlevania is a type of hard that i can kind of get through mm-hmm. uh whereas from software makes games to punish you they make boot camp games, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and and uh, I wouldn't make it. But I I do like that though. I do like it. Like make a make a Souls game with a with a Castlevania skin on it. Use um you know monsters that uh, the traditional like like Universal monsters or whatever. Uh, that would be really cool. That would be really cool. Um, I would like to see Square Enix do Skies of Arcadia. Just remaster it. I don't need anything different. I just need some company to remaster Skies of Arcadia. And it's pretty clear Sega's not going to fucking do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my knee-jerk reaction would be to say Metal Gear Solid, but I don't know who I'd want to have it. Like I, hmm. like I, I, don't, know, I don't know who that would trans, translate to because you need a company that would handle the game competently but you also need like that weird like quirkiness that is only possible with Hideo Kojima I feel like yeah. um, so that's a tricky one that's a tricky one to figure out who it should go to but uh, that'd probably be the game that I would pick I would say Uh, you guys missed an earlier question for me for oh. Monster Hunter so I'm going to circle back to that before I peace out so you guys can talk wrestling uh Johnny asked, weapon of choice in Monster Hunter Rise and Monster Hunter in general. I am a lance main. I have close to 2,000 lance hunts in Monster Hunter World, and I'm already close to about 200 in Monster Hunter Rise. I don't have any hunts in any other weapons in Monster Hunter Rise yet because I know what I like and I know what I'm good at. Um, Lance is not a particularly popular weapon in Monster Hunter. Um, I think... By the end of last year, only 2% of Monster Hunter World players were Lance users. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, that makes me part of the top 2% of Monster Hunter players. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like Lance. I might break out. Um, I enjoyed Switch Axe a little bit as well. Um, so I might try building up some Switch Axe stuff in Rise next. Um, does, does Lance play more like a... Support Lance class is in, in basically the tank. Okay, tank class. Um, See, I like playing. I in in Dauntless, I enjoyed playing Polearm the most because that was like that was the class that kind of applied a lot of the debuffs to the monsters, so that other classes could deal additional damage. So it was fun. That sort of insect glaive mm-hmm. um in monster hunter which is like a super technical weapon which i there's a lot going on like you have your your glaive and like the type of glaive that you're using and then you got you like your kinsect which can apply aoe status effects and whatnot too much information for me i want to run at the monster and poke it as hard as i possibly can um for a mediocre amount of damage uh, like my whole build is just defense focus. Um, my whole my whole way of play, particularly when I'm in multiplayer groups, is to um, now that we have these silk bind attacks, is to use the lance's um, twin vine sort of deal, which makes the monster aggro you more. And I have all of these 
defensive capability. So I'm just out here like tanking all of this damage while the rest of the people who I'm playing with uh, wail on it. So I like Lance. I like to run and poke. That's it. <laughs> that's all Lance is. You you run real fast and then you poke, poke, poke. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's it. Um, that's. I, I just looked up what a Kezu is, and that thing looks like it likes to run and poke. Like, oh yeah, it is gross looking. Awful, <laughs> awful. Yeah, if you get if you if you're fighting a Kezu in a cave, sometimes he will run up and stick himself to the ceiling and hang down and just dangle and really look like a penis. It's fucking terrible, <laughs> man. This is uh, this is this is nightmare fuel, man. <laughs> that's 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 how you can tell that Monster Hunter is definitely done by the same studio that also does Resident Evil, like. Yeah. <laughs> but damn. uh that's it for me. Y'all enjoy your fucking wrestle talk. Um hopefully I'll be back on more regularly. Uh I've been really busy on Tuesday nights doing rehearsals for the upcoming Baltimore Gamer Symphony Orchestra show. Just gonna plug that. That's on uh our next digital show. It's an all digital concert. It's on May 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern. I will be sure to continue to drop the event link in the Discord channel. Um a lot of cool stuff on the program. We're doing Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy and Klonoa and um F Zero and Deltarune and Wolfenstein is on the set list this time. Like there's a lot of cool stuff. It's a, it's a really ambitious set list. Uh, we're doing more music than we did in the fall. So it's going to be a longer show, but totally free. So a lot of people have been working very hard myself, especially <laughs> I'm arranging, I'm performing, I'm doing the video editing. So I have a lot going on, but uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. And I'm going to go play some more monster hunter. Well, you guys talk wrestling. We'll have fun playing Monster Hunter, just as we had fun with the week of wrestling <laughs> that just seemingly would not end. All right. Godspeed. <laughs> so last week, uh, the wrestling was out of control. And uh Yeah. It was Micah. What did you? How much of the wrestling did you watch? That's my question. So I, uh, I can't, um, I, 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 I'm, I can't watch as much wrestling as I as I want to. Um, I didn't get to see uh, any of anything NXT, so I didn't get to see any um, takeover. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I got the chance to see was both nights of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't count. Um, it's backed out. No, I, I don't, I don't count. Yeah. Either, so. No, I don't count that. Um, so I am, I am completely, uh, I'm completely, uh, uh, ignorant to all of takeover. Fair enough. Hopefully well, that is going to change now that NXT is on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, and I can actually, because Tuesday, uh, you know, I was, I was watching, uh, every now and again, I would watch, I would turn on impact mm-hmm. and, um, no, I would much rather watch NXT. So, so the takeover, the two night takeover was solid, um, had a lot of really good matches and some fine matches that were just not spectacular. Mm-hmm. My recommendation to you is if you were going to watch 
four matches off the card. I'll give you two from each night to watch. Uh, the first one, uh, night one, Pete Dunn uh, defeating Kushida was excellent, as you would probably expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Walter Tomasa Champa match is a match that you just don't get to see that much anymore of two guys just beating the shit out of each other. I mean, to, to, like, like the match even ended kind of anticlimactically because do you know? Do you know what the finishing move that Walter did to win the match, Micah? I don't. A knife edge chop to Tomasa Chapa. Like that. That's the kind of. <laughs> that's the kind of. That's the kind of brutality. Like that. A chop was able to finish the match. <laughs> so those are the two from night one that you should check out. Uh, the two from night two are the uh, the ladder match between Santos Escobar. And Jordan Devlin, which was very cool. A very like old school style ladder match. Like they weren't doing a bunch of insane shit with the ladder. Like I, I appreciated the 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 throwback feel mm-hmm. of the match. And then Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole was a, a, a fucking masterclass in how to make a how to book a very personal, very violent grudge match without making it a fucking bloodbath. Uh, AEW take notes. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to go to the old school throwback ECW shit to, to make, to make a spectacle match that feels violent and feels personal and feels hard hitting. It was really good. All right. It well then really I'm excited good. for that because, uh, I, I like, uh, you know, I, I don't need like huge spots all the time. Uh, which is another thing that AEW does mm-hmm. a little too much, in my opinion. And I don't need a lot of blood and guts, which they don't do it a lot. Mm-hmm. But when they do it, it's like, uh, all right, all right, man. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not watching Combat Zone wrestling, right? Like, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I, that shit is just gross to me. Um. Uh. So. So yeah. All right. I I will go back and watch. Uh. I will go back and watch that. Well, and and here's and here's the biggest compliment that I can give Kyle Riley, Adam Adam Cole. Uh, when I looked at the, some on Wikipedia looking at the results, right, and I did, I had no clue that that was a forty minute match, no Jesus. clue at all. It, 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 it didn't feel like it. It did not feel like it whatsoever. Like like you are engaged and interested in what's going on throughout the entire thing. Like it was really really good. All right. <laughs> um, very, very good. So, like you said, SmackDown happened. They did the SmackDown tag title match, which the champion retained. Uh, they did the they did the Andre the Giant Battle Royale, which Jey Uso kind of surprising one. Like they really made they really made it look like Shinsuke Nakamura was going to win that match. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a good job swerving you at the very at the very last. So WrestleMania proper was a bit of a mixed bag. And and again, the, like like it was a very uh, a, a very diverse selection of quality matches. We had some of the best matches that I can recall in recent WrestleMania history, and then some ones that were just kind of clunkers, like not bad but just clunky. Yeah, in my eyes. Um, shockingly, so when I looked at the cards for the two nights, I kind of assumed that night two was going to blow night one out of the water from a quality standpoint. And that I'm not being the case. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Not being the case. 
Um, <laughs> they uh, they led with strength. <laughs> they did. They did. So let, let's let's run it down. Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna detail these in in great detail, but we're gonna run through the matches. They started off with a rain delay of <laughs> of all things because of course because <laughs> Florida because of Florida. Um, and then we got the the WWE Championship match with Bobby Lashley, perhaps shockingly retaining. Uh, against Drew McIntyre. You're not surprised? I was surprised. No, I wasn't surprised because they broke, because Vince McMahon broke up the hurt business, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's been said that it was a Vince McMahon call. Everybody wanted the hurt business to stay. It was a Vince McMahon call to break up the hurt business. And the only thing that that meant in my eyes is that, well, two things. Uh, one, Vince does not want black people to get along. And two, <laughs> and two, Vince McMahon sees something in Bobby Lashley, and he doesn't think that those other two guys are are big enough, mm. like big enough to to be around his, you know, his new heel champion, right? Like he wants he wants Bobby Lashley to be a Brock Lesnar while Brock Lesnar is away. That's that's what I'm kind of mm. what I'm kind of getting at. Well, his uh, booking over. his booking against Matt Riddle on Monday night would certainly support that theory as well. <laughs> he beat the piss out of Matt Riddle. Um, it's interesting. I, I probably should have expected it because way too much was made of you know Drew McIntyre getting his getting his moment in front of the fans. So I should have yeah. expected the swerve, yeah, uh, to come. Uh, it was a solid match. It was it was a hard hitting, um, you know. To to paraphrase Big E, like like meat slapping meat, like, like kind, <laughs> kind of kind of fucking match. Uh, the ending was a little screwy. Someone someone in the Discord mentioned that WWE still doesn't know how to properly book baby faces. Like Drew McIntyre falling victim to the Hey You essentially, and and getting distracted, <laughs> which caused him to miss the Claymore. Um, isn't doesn't make him look great. It makes him look like an idiot. Uh, yeah. he's gonna be fighting Bobby Lashley again at WrestleMania Backlash, which. Just call it like Just like, call like backlash. That, backlash like, is self-explanatory. Like you don't need you don't need to go into further detail. Like we understand what it's a backlash too. We get it. We get it. It's typically, it's typically the show where you run the angles that you couldn't completely blow off at WrestleMania. We understand. Um so yeah, but Drew McIntyre will ha- will have his rematch. Uh I, I but I sense shenanigans. I don't I don't sense a clean a clean victory, especially with the introduction of uh Formerly, retribution joining up with uh with Bobby and see Ashley, so. and see that's the thing right like oh okay so are you going to recreate the hurt business again just with bigger guys mm-hmm. like that's what makes me think that he just got rid of those other two guys Shelton Benjamin and um and um, Cedric Alexander Cedric Alexander because they weren't big quote unquote big enough mm-hmm. like Dio Madden and um. And uh, what's his name? Um, the, the other guy, I can't remember his name. <laughs> like they're they're taller. Like like they're, they're they have more mass to them. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, don't be surprised if if he was like, oh well, they want a faction. Let's get these two big guys next to Bobby Lashley. Like just just let Bobby Lashley be a solo act with MVP. Then, like I, I don't want the the retribution guys to come in by, by the way retribution had a it was it it was a really good idea and they just did not know what to do with no it. they had no clue what to do with it because well, it was an idea based off of something that let's face it Vince McMahon doesn't really understand yeah you know what I mean so yeah um 
it's uh so yeah I, I, but on the plus side if he gets those guys to unmask as a result of being with him i feel like it's all worth it at the end of the day yeah yeah just uh you know get them to unmask and and, and just, just be give just be dio madden and dominic dijakovic again yeah that's please <laughs> please goodness gracious um the Black ta- jack and flippity do like, <laughs> all right man all right <laughs> Uh, it's not a good sign when the tag turmoil match is most notable for Mandy Rose slipping on the entryway on her way down to the <laughs> ring. Um, again, a fine match. I think the riot squad has a cool looking tag team finisher. The crowd really wanted Tamina to do well, which was nice to see. This is really her first like legit, like WrestleMania shot. And I believe this is the first match she's ever won at WrestleMania. Which for someone who's never been able to quite find her footing despite being with the company for a really long time was fun to see. Um, So they would get a tag title match in night two. More on that later. Uh, For my money, the match of the night was Cesaro versus Seth Rollins, which none of us should have doubted at all because – Putting the like, like, so, like, people got on, like, he was, he's playing a character when he talks about how he's like the new Mr. WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. He kind of is the new Mr. WrestleMania. Uh, look, he's, he's the new, like, yeah, man, like, that was his, like, they were grooming him to be the yeah, next, like, 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 go back through Seth, Seth Rollins's WrestleMania uh, card or history. Pretty good from top to bottom in terms of match quality the heist of the century yeah like come <laughs> on man like uh it's and i think people are just mad because they're mad at uh seth rollins the the corporate wwe guy mm-hmm. on twitter you know because he's proud of where he works and he but defends I where think, he works i think he's leaning into the to the gimmick though a little bit too with that like I think, I, yeah <laughs> I look I'm all for it I'm all for it it's pissing people off and I love it right <laughs> so this was a great match uh Cesaro did his UFO which apparently is a thing he did in the Indies uh that I had never seen before someone said I he looked, did it last year on the pre-show as well I don't remember it I don't remember it it looked amazing it did <laughs> like I'm like why haven't they let him do this forever like like he would have like he would have been over so hard if they let him do this move I mean I guess you can't do it with everybody. You know yeah, I mean? like like only certain guys can you can really pull that off with. But it was a great fucking match. Cesaro won, by the way, made him look like a million dollars. Um, could this finally be the time for Cesaro? Could we finally see uh, what everyone has thought he should have been for like literally the last nine years? If um, one working with Seth Rollins is is a good first step. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if he can if he can get through Seth Rollins and and basically just uh, just just announce his presence mm-hmm. like they did on Raw after WrestleMania, where three guys were like, "Nope, uh, it's my turn now." Um, if he can just if he can just get through this program with Seth Rollins, and and hopefully like that'll that'll push him up enough. Uh, I don't know who I. I mean, I figure maybe by this time Drew McIntyre might be the champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there there are rumors saying that Drew will get it at Backlash. Uh, I don't think that's a good that idea. That seems like like why if if you're gonna do that, why wouldn't you just give it to him? Why at wouldn't you just do it at WrestleMania? Right? No, I need Bobby Lashley to. Yeah, to like be like if you if you're, if you're gonna build him up as like your monster heel, then let him run as a monster heel till at least SummerSlam, if not if not longer. Right. 
I need a I need a Bobby. Look, everybody says they want a Bobby Lashley Brock Lesnar uh, uh, program. Um, I don't know if I want that, but let Bobby Lashley be the new hmm. beast. Man, and let him. Who'd have? Uh, I mean, we should have been surprised, but MVP already MVP's, like one of the top managers, like in recent recent memory. So yeah, MVP's always been great. MVP and Bobby Lashley worked together in uh, TNA, right? Yeah, like, but was, wasn't he still wrestling at the time? MVP. Um, I don't know. Hmm. I I don't know, but he's MVP is MVP's always been really good. Hmm. Um, and just a guy that I don't think people give enough credit to. Uh, in terms of like his in-ring work and his his character work is it was great, right? Like the the arrogant like the arrogant sports star, right? Like that's that's and he's very good at his at, at being his character, but his in-ring work is also stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, MVP's a great dude, man. Uh, we got the tag title match, new tag champions AJ Styles and uh, the debuting Omos Morgan State grad uh, defeated the New Day. Um, what do you think about almost? I'm always, you know, always wary of like these super tall guys that have very limited move sets that just kind of can do backbreakers and slams and chops and this kind of shit. Um, you know, whenever I, maybe this isn't fair to him, mm-hmm. but whenever I see uh, a big tall guy, um, I just think of, oh, okay. I, I just remember that Vince McMahon is a carny mm-hmm. and and he's treating these these really tall guys like like sideshow acts. Uh not to say that uh Omos is not like a a a, a you know legit athlete. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if this is his sport. I don't know if this is the thing that he should be doing. Well it's it's um, fu- it's funny because it, it's it seems like it's for him it's a never ending quest to find the next Andre the giant in a lot of ways. And he's tried so many of these guys and people yeah. say, Oh, well the big show is most successful. Big show was a class of like, like is, is, was a much better athlete than Andre the giant was like, he wasn't as an attract. He wasn't an attraction in the same way that Andre the giant was. And I feel like that Vince has tried this with a ton of different guys. Um, he's tried it with, uh, the giant Gonzalez or what, or I can't remember his name in WCW, um, or, or as El Gigante in WCW. Um, he tried it in a different way, uh, with Mabel. Like that was big in, yep. in, in different ways, remember but Mabel, remember Mabel was a champion. Yeah. Mabel, big fat um, ass Mabel. Remember Kurgan, um, uh, from the, from like the oddities, like he, like he came in and was again, there's the big tall guy that, you know, lumbered around yeah, big, tall French guy. Yeah. Oh, oh, big, tall French guy. That is, that's him. <laughs> great. Kali is in this class. Um, and, and again, like he's a hall of famer. Great, but nah, no one's lauding great Kali for his, uh, his ring. Work. Yeah, man. Like, uh, look, no disrespect to the great Kali, but facts are facts. The man could barely walk. Right. So, uh, you know, it, um, they made almost wear a vest, which means he's not in Vince McMahon's shape, right? Like they, <laughs> <laughs> like you put a shirt on him, it's like all right. Well, they they don't feel they're, they're not that high on you. Uh, that being said, if you're gonna make someone look like a fucking monster, uh, what better person to put them against than Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, who did a fantastic job selling his selling his offense once he got into the match? Yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, Xavier Woods, especially, always the face in peril. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's weird being, you know, Kofi Kingston being the guy to get the hot tag to yeah. save yeah. Xavier Wood. Like, <laughs> you're the same. Um, this is a I, – I, I had a feeling that AJ and almost were going to win mm-hmm. because why do this, mm-hmm. right? Like, like why have it to begin with? Um, I feel like this was something that um, they kind of told almost to – that would happen to kind of get him to sign on the dotted line. Like, we're going to pair you with uh, a phenomenal wrestler, no pun intended, mm-hmm. and – you know, you're going to be a champion. All you got to do is sign here. Right. And, um, I can't imagine that this run is with them as champion is going to, um, uh, is going to last long. Um, I don't know what you do with almost though. Mm-hmm. Like he's not a, you got to stick him with somebody because I, I can't imagine that he can talk. Um, I can't imagine you're going to keep him with AJ Styles for a while. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, I don't. I don't kind of want it because <laughs> AJ's got this really thick Southern accent, and I just don't like. Oh, get him, get him, old boss. Uh, I just, I don't know. It just don't sit right with me. Plus, plus AJ Styles probably uh, what I what I guess I'll term as the uh, un, unknowing, probably an unknowing racist. Like he probably is not like outwardly racist, but probably has some racist tendencies that he doesn't realize are racist, kind of thing. Yeah, he's an <laughs> ignorant racist, yeah. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it could be a little weird. So, but hey, we'll see. Uh, A lot of folks shit on the Braun Strowman, Shane McMahon cage match. I think it was fine for what it was. Like they did the best they could with what they had. Um, Look, they, they showed me something I didn't see before. That's true. Um, Yeah. I've never seen anyone rip rip the cage apart to drag someone back through it once they were on the other side climbing down. That, that, that's all the justification I need for this Stupid match, right? Yeah. This stupid, like the the build was dumb. Hey, Braun, you're stupid. Nobody's gonna call me stupid. Like, all right, man, I <laughs> but you're dumb. Like, um, let, let's rope in Jackson Riker and Elias for no apparent reason. Like, like <laughs> right? She made about two guys in the locker room. Like, hey, you help me out real quick. Your heels. Like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. We'll go to town on this dude. Um, look, Shane Main got to fall off a high thing. Like, so Shane Main got to do his his thing that he likes to do. Uh, Braun Strowman looked real strong and, and won as he should have. And it was fine. Like it was fine for what it was. Um, I was surprised this match was only 11 minutes long. It felt much longer. Uh, so, but yeah, uh, the surprise match in the night easily was Miz and Morrison losing to Damian priest and R and, uh, R and B not R and B rap star, bad bunny or hip hop star. Um, so here, so this match was originally supposed to be a tag match. Then they were advertising it as a singles match between Miz and Bad Money because um, Priest and Morrison were both dealing with nagging injuries. Both were cleared in time for the show, so they made it back into a tag match again. And I thought that with doing that, that Damian Priest was going to be carrying the load for his team. Mm-hmm. No. He actually no. spent very <laughs> little time in the match. And Bad Bunny uh, had arguably the best debut for a non-wrestler in WWE history. Uh, the dude put the work in and and he went to school. And the thing that he did that was very impressive wasn't his offense, but it was his selling. Like he he was selling all the moves. Uh, he was a great face in peril. Um, and he looked, and, and again, credit also goes to Miz and Morrison for making him look credible without, look, without making them look uncredible 
Yeah, like it, it, nothing but professionals in that ring mm-hmm. when this uh, when this match was taking place. Like you said, this match had no business being as good as it was, and each each and every one of those guys um, uh, deserve uh, their kudos, man. Because you know, and I hear you know, I see some people don't like the Miz mm-hmm. as a as a wrestler, like his character, or whatever, but like his safe style or whatever, like his safe style is why you got that match. Like, right. And his safe style also is what allows him to like, not everyone has to be fucking, you know, like, like the young bucks. Like, like it's not like like his (laughs) safe style has earned him a career that has gone 13 plus years, had almost no injuries on either side of the fence. Like he hasn't been hurt and he hasn't hurt anybody. And right. he's a reliable hand and can keep doing this for another like five to seven years if he wants to. Yeah, man. Like I, I I got nothing but respect for each and every person in that ring. Bad Bunny did so well, he made it he made it look like anybody can do it. Right. And and that is uh that is a testament to him, his trainers, the guys in the ring. I can't tell you how impressed I was with that match. Well, and <laughs> and also too, like with the Miz, especially they kept cutting to him and he like, he's, he's very aware of, of where the camera is and what he needs to be doing at all times. The little stuff that again, he doesn't get enough credit for. Like they kept cutting to him when bad bunny did something remarkable for a non wrestler to capture his facial expressions. And he played it perfectly every single time. Like, like the ultimate one being when bad bunny did the destroyer uh, to John Morrison outside the (laughs) ring. And then Miz like mouth was a gape at witnessing this, like he couldn't fucking believe it. Um, and that's perfect. Like, like again, not enough credit is given to him for all the little things that he does. Uh, I understand that he started as like the real world guy and there's a lot of reason to make fun of him. And I understand that he definitely won the WWE title way too soon when he first got started, but he has been nothing but stellar for really the past five years in all honesty. And and yeah. deserves every deserves a ton of praise that he does not get. So, you know, he might be the real world guy, but to your to your point, that's why he's able to. That's why he's he knows where he knows that cameras are on him, and he knows that he's got a that he can't like he can't he can't let up off the gas. He's he's out there acting, yeah. And you can't like you can't just like stop just because you think the cameras aren't on you because they're everywhere. Yep. So. Yeah, man, that match, pff, I, I was blown away by that shit. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> uh, the main event for night one, Bianca Belair becoming the SmackDown Women's Champion against uh, Sasha Banks. I miss, uh, I, I got to tell you, people were praising Sasha in this match. I really miss, like, heel Sasha from NXT. Like, I understand your character's got to evolve and everything, but I don't think that hers evolved from a heel standpoint in the right direction. Cause I just think being like the unrelenting badass heel, um, fit her better than like the super cocky, arrogant, like outwardly cocky and arrogant heel that she's kind of playing right now. Um, and Bianca Belair, I think played a great baby face to contrast her, uh, and really looked impressive in this match, but I, I didn't feel as impressed by, Sasha Banks, as most folks did, but I thought this was the best match that Bianca Belair has ever wrestled on in WWE. Yeah, I think this was um, 
I think this was uh, an absolute showcase for what Bianca Belair could do. Like, like the two of them got together, and I think Sasha said, "I'm gonna make you look good, girl," and and that's what happened. Mm. Um, like you said, I don't think it's Sasha Banks' best, right? Like, like I've you know any match with her and Charlotte Flair, I think is better than this, mm-hmm. but um, because those two are like on an equal playing field, but. Uh, in terms of Sasha kind of power leveling Bianca mm-hmm. to get to elevate her, uh, you know, I could see it in the match, and I it just it felt good, man. Like I, it was, it was a it was a showcase of Bianca. Yo, Bianca Belair is crazy strong, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know Sasha isn't the heaviest person in the world, but like like her being able to just like press Sasha and walk her upstairs and and just drop <laughs> like it's. Her her feats of strength are pretty amazing, man. I agree. Um, I'm going to be very interesting to see how they book Bianca Belair, rather who they put her in programs against, because I do still feel like she needs someone who can carry the load in the ring, performance wise, <laughs> like for, from like from a technical standpoint, to look <laughs> really good. So so it'll be interesting to see the programs that they put her in. Uh, I think that they would do well to get her in a feud with Bailey because I think that Bailey can definitely make her look very good as well for the next couple of months. Yeah. Um. So very curious to see what they do with with her uh, with her reign on SmackDown. I just I hope this isn't like a Kofi thing, right? Like mm-hmm. I hope this isn't like a you know where they this is one of those instances where everybody gets to touch the belt. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I want her to I want her to be a champ. But to your point, I, I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say it's it's too early for her. Mm-hmm. But she she's not quite green, but she's not quite like at the level, you know, where where it's like, yo, this is an amazing right. dominant. She, she, need, she needs strong opponents, and yeah, I. I wonder it's it's funny so like Becky Lynch is great too but I don't see Becky Lynch as being the person also that can carry someone to an amazing match. No. Either. She's the two of them are kind of like at the same level for me. Yeah. The two of them are like B plus A minus play people, you know, uh 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 wrestlers whereas you know Sasha Banks is is A plus, Charlotte Flair A plus, Bailey is A to an A plus depending on who she's wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like it's so I I hope that uh, I don't know. I hope that I hope that there are big things for Bianca Belair, but I, I want her reign to be to be significant. So moving on night two, uh, we started with Randy Orton and the Fiend uh, in a regular one on one match. Why uh, wasn't the, you know, <sighs> it should have been it should have been a fun house match. Apparently that was never Why? the plan. Apparently that was never I, the plan. So I, I, I oh, my God. <laughs> like you, it's Randy Orton, you know. Right. If there's anybody, like there are few people on the current roster that could that that are that could be used for a funhouse match, and Randy Orton is at the top of that list, yeah. man. Well, and and it's it's funny too because like it's like they didn't know what to do. So like like it's like, it's like they didn't have a plan for for what they actually wanted to do with this match. So like before the match even starts, like the fiend uses his magic, you know, Kiraga spell to, to basically <laughs> heal back to regular fiend, not burnt ass mask fiend. 
um, comes out of like a giant jack in the box, which is a cool visual. And then they have like a regular fiend match uh, where the fiend is impervious to pain and, you know, no sells a lot of Randy Orton's best offense and things of that nature. And then Alexa Bliss is sitting on the on the uh, jack in the box with motor oil coming out of her head. And <laughs> the distraction uh, gets Randy Orton to hit an RKO and win and be done with the feud. Like, like Randy Orton was almost a, a bystander to, to the story that this match was trying to tell in a lot of ways. Um, it's weird. Cause like I said, once like, like the build started strong and for this rivalry and just kind of, I don't think they knew where to go with it in a lot of ways. And I, I give Alexa bliss a lot of credit cause she, I think did a pretty decent job of carrying Randy Orton uh, and carrying the story in the absence of Bray Wyatt. Um, but I don't think they knew really what they were going to do once Bray, <laughs> once they had to reincorporate Bray Wyatt in the mix. Let me ask you something real quick. Yeah. What do you think of, do you think the character of the fiend works in this WWE? I think it's fine. Um, I like the character. I just don't know if it fits in this WWE because they don't, they never know what to do with it. Well, and that's they the thing. Like you have to have people that are able to go along for the ride. The reason that it works so well with John Cena is because John Cena was able to play that role and they did it in the type of match that it really worked with. And Randy Orton, I think could have been that as well. Putting him up against Goldberg in a title match doesn't fucking work because there's no, there's no reason for him to be wrestling Goldberg and Goldberg can't do any fun shit against the fiend. You know what I mean? Like, like he can't do any of the fun stuff that makes the fiend right. an interesting character. So he, the fiend can like the, the problem with the fiend is that he can only go as far as the people that you're pairing him with can take him. It's kind of like early undertaker in that way. Uh, like, like the first five years of undertaker was very dependent on the people that they put him with before he became just great wrestler, the undertaker, you know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm always curious about like these weird characters because like I, I when when I look at wrestling, mm-hmm. like yeah, you got stories and all that, but their motivation for wrestling should be a title. Correct. And I what's the fiend going to do with a title? And but see that the funny thing is when they did give him the belt, I think they did a decent job of making it make sense. Um to to an extent, it was just getting it off of him that was difficult. So. Yeah. I guess. So we'll see. It's it's I'm curious to see where they're gonna go because I can't imagine that Alexa Bliss is going to like wrestle Bray Wyatt. Like so I, I would imagine that somehow <laughs> she's going to get a champion of some sorts to fight at her side, but who the fuck knows who that would be? Um the tag title oh. match was probably the worst match across both nights, the women's tag title match, I should say. Um because it was just clunky. It was just clunky. Again, out of the four people involved in this match. Only one of them was capable of really shouldering the load. And she spent a lot of time not in the match. Uh, and that's Natalia I'm talking about. The, the, rest, the rest of the participants were not, are not exactly able to dictate the pace and the flow as well. And there, like, there was just a lot of absences that didn't make sense. Like there's one point where Shayna Baszler pulled Natalia off the apron as she was waiting for a tag. Um, and Natalia was at, was off of the apron for like five minutes. Like, it's like, like nothing crazy happened to you. You just got pulled down off the apron. Like, where'd you go? The, like, you're not making any sense. Yeah. Um, also Natalia needs to figure out how not to automatically go for the sharpshooter like five times in the first three minutes of every match that she's in. <laughs> like you have to, 
you have to work on it a little bit. Yeah, you gotta work a body part. Yeah. Uh <laughs> it was it was long, like the match was five minutes too long. It was the second longest match of the night behind the, the universe or the universal title match. Um <laughs> it ended nicely. Like Shane Baszler screaming like a maniac whenever she puts that hold on everybody is is always amazing. Um, but yeah, it just didn't make a lot of sense. And I don't know. I feel like you could have given the crowd what they wanted. I guess they weren't expecting the crowd to be as behind Tamina as they were. I think that would have been a nice moment. Um, but then again, if you don't have a plan for Natalia and Tamina to be tag champions, or if you have, or if you have a plan down the road for who's going to take the belts off of Nia and Shayna, uh, then I understand yeah, that, but, that change. Uh, but at the same time, like they could delay their plans for a month. Yeah, they can delay their plans for three weeks and just let it be happen. To, you know, let them get the titles back at Backlash. Like sure. I know we poo pooed that idea before, but like I, I assume they have a plan for Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. <laughs> you know, like this. This is a tag team. Of course, WWE doesn't have a plan. <laughs> um, felt really good for watching Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who had. A bit of a moment before the match started, like you, like it was hard for Kevin Owens to hide the "I can't believe that you and me are getting to do this here" yeah, kind yeah. of thing, um, yeah. which was really fun. I'm glad that Logan Paul's involvement just uh, was a bunch of cutaways and then getting stunned uh, at the end of the match and taking the stunner reasonably well. Like that was that was one of the yeah. better cells. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, uh, it wasn't a Linda cell. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not a Linda cell for sure. He at least. Uh, he at least had a had a decent cell, uh, and the match was really good. Like I, it's kind of hard to really remark on a Kevin Owens Sami Zayn match because we've seen it so many times. Uh, yeah. Even more if you if you watch them in Ring of Honor, um, but it was a solid match. It was you know it was a good palate cleanser from what was a clunky match that was before it uh and unfortunately set up Sheamus and Riddle in the following match to have a relatively forgettable match uh for the US title aside from the bro kick at the end which was pretty cool uh that's the only thing I like because I can't stand the Matt Riddle character I don't know if he's like I, I don't know if this is personality I I I hate pothead character. I hate potheads <laughs> and bro, uh, hey bro, uh, Johnny Utah types. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't, I do not care for them at all. And um, if I can't get behind, if I can't get behind, like the cat, like if I hate your character, mm-hmm. I am immediately checked out of whatever match you're in. So interesting. Good. I don't hate Seamus. Uh, I I think I like the guy Seamus more than the character. Mm-hmm. I think he uh I think he had he was at his best when he was paired with Cesaro. Um but you know tag team successful tag team we gotta break him up eventually. And <laughs> they had um, a pretty good run considering so they did. They they had a they had a great run actually especially like their their everything that led up to them being a tag team, mm-hmm. right? Like like them having their best of seven and it's just like you know what you're you're all right. Let's let's do this together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, fuck Riddle. I don't <laughs> care for him. Uh, we did have the Apollo Cruz Big E uh, Nigerian drum fight for the Intercontinental Title. <laughs> uh, if you're gonna have a Nigerian drum fight, like I understand the purpose behind the name, you gotta have at least one drum, right? At ringside, like I feel like you're <laughs> shortchanging me. 
if you don't if you don't have that. Um, I thought the match was really good. I thought the ending was really weird. Uh, having Dabakato be in you know aligned with Apollo Cruz out of nowhere is a bit silly. Uh, it's a cheap way to get the title off Big E. I have to assume that they already have bigger aspirations for him that are going to be implemented sooner rather than later in terms of where, what program he's headed towards. I, uh, I hope so. Uh, look, you can, you can make Apollo a heel and not have him and not have him and have him beat Big E clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't understand the, I don't understand the finish. Well, you, I mean, uh, you're, you're protecting Big E. That's the only reason that the finish exists essentially. So, okay. I mean, but at the same time, like, if you have a really good match, doesn't matter who who loses, right? Mm-hmm. Like it I mean it does, but like I don't I don't know. You can make Biggie look strong um while still having Apollo win. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, they didn't really use any of the like they had like they had like bongos and stuff uh around ringside and and a and a Southeast Asian gong. Uh, for a Nigerian drum fight, but um, you know, I thought they were gonna like implement that stuff. Yeah, and they, they didn't really. It's also super weird having a guy like Apollo Cruz need a heavy, because like it's not like Apollo <laughs> Cruz is like like a like a chicken shit heel character or like a cocky heel. Like he's a big fucking guy. Like he's a big strong dude. Like do you need like why does he need a heavy? Uh, because he's only six one and two forty two, and not six five and two seventy five. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but do do you? I guess he needs something to do with Davicato since Ron went away. <laughs> um, Ray Ripley and Oscar. So I gotta say, I'm surprised that these two didn't necessarily mesh as well as I would have expected them to. Um, mm. I think. Part of that is Ray Ripley not quite being ready to take the lead in a match. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I, it might have just been a styles clash, honestly, um, in some ways. like I, th- This match just didn't feel smooth to me. Um, the ending was quite anticlimactic because Ray Ripley has quite an anticlimactic finishing maneuver. Um, like, like every, every time she pins someone with that, like I'm always surprised they didn't kick out. <laughs> seriously like it's it's a pump handle slam like the riptide i'm like it's a pump handle slam like the road dog used the same fucking finishing move like this isn't rhea ripley seems like she has she needs like a striker's finish um, i don't even need a striker finish just something that someone of her size like a like a maneuver that looks fucking strong you know she needs I mean? like she needs a bro kick type move to me right like she's got big legs big feet mm-hmm. um I I would I would like something like that for Rhea Ripley, but uh, you know whatever Rhea Ripley's awesome. Um, but yeah, I agree. This match, it just um, I, I something something seemed lost in translation. Mm-hmm. Like no pun intended, but it was. Um, it, it, I I understand you had to get the belt off of Oscar, right? Because as much as I like Oscar, um. You can't the way WWE does their story. They 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 focus on storytelling first. They prioritize storytelling, mm-hmm. and it's just difficult with uh, as with a with an English second language champion. Mm-hmm. It just is. Um, 
and 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 they're not and WWE is not changing. So, <laughs> well, uh, frankly, it's a credit to her that she's been on top as much as she has, despite the fact that it's right. She's despite not the, the I mean, like, right? Like, <laughs> it, it, all she says is nobody's ready for Oscar, and you are not ready, and nobody's ready, and you will never be ready for Oscar. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's. It's like, all right, like, and I love Oscar. I, I subscribe to her YouTube channel. She's adorable. <laughs> but um, yeah, they had to get the belt off her if, mm-hmm. if you want to do something with it. Yeah. So uh, finally, I pose this question to you, Micah. Is the Universal Championship match between Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan the greatest triple threat match? in the history of triple threat matches. <laughs> Can you think of uh, a better one? I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, not in recent memory. They're hard. They're, they're, they're notoriously hard to book. Well, because ostensibly here, because the flow of the triple match has the triple threat match has to be two guys beat on each other. Somehow the third guy's out of the picture. Somehow the third guy comes back in the picture and and eliminates one of the other guys from the picture, and then those two guys beat on each other. Then all three of them get in the mix somehow for a few minutes, and then you kind of just cycle between those things, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of formulaic, and it's hard to do well because it always seems like the one guy that's not there when they're not there is kind of awkwardly not there. Yeah, he's uh, he's usually, you know, knocked out off af- after a move, and right. it's just kind of sitting there for two to three minutes or, or is outside the ring off camera. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. like, you know, yeah. Oh, he got hit with a table and now he's just laying there. Yeah. This, this was really, really good. Cause they spent a lot of time with all three of them in the ring, uh, kind of going back and forth to keep the other guy down. They credibly took Daniel Bryan out of the match for an extended period of time, only to bring him back for, what is the like the like the the memorable sequence of the match where Edge has Roman Reigns in a crossface? Roman Reigns appears that he's about to tap out. Daniel Bryan dives into the ring and literally like keeps his hand from tapping on the mat and then locks in the label lock on the opposite arm. Him and Edge are like 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 mean mugging each other, like headbutting each other while they have Roman Reigns locked in this dual <laughs> submission hold who looks, who looks like absolutely panicked and like, like his, his neck is getting torqued off essentially. <laughs> Meanwhile, Paul Heyman's in the background, like doing the best facial expressions that Paul Heyman could possibly do. Like, 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 they, like there's, there's a point where like Daniel Bryan had Roman Reigns in the label lock earlier and like Paul Hamm's like, oh, and then like Daniel Bryan really started cranking back and he's like, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> but on camera right behind the action. It was fa- it was just really good. Um, the ending where Roman Reigns kind of turned the concerto on Edge and Daniel Bryan uh, was really effective. Um, and he looked strong as shit. I wasn't surprised that he retained. I really didn't see. Yeah, I really didn't see either of these two winning, especially because they in the buildup, they made it clear that some, you're going to get a match between these two guys and you're going to probably see that at backlash. Um, yeah. and that's going to be pretty fucking good. That's going to be re- I'm very <laughs> excited for yeah, that. It's going to be, it's going <laughs> to be a lot of fun. Um, and look, Roman reigns, 
is the it's it's weird to have two heel champions and two monster heel champions simultaneously, but Roman Reigns has walked a really interesting fine balance of being an incredible badass champion and a chicken shit heel simultaneously because he keeps hiding <laughs> behind his cousin even in this match. Yeah. Even in this match. Yeah, Roman's Roman's always been good, man. Mm-hmm. He's always been good. And um now that WWE realize that like I don't know what WWE's obsession is with like with like white meat baby faces, right? Mm-hmm. But like they when they have a baby face, like all of their baby faces are just like nothing affects me. I'm suffering succotash, son. And (laughs) and like, like they don't have any, like, except for like Daniel Bryan, Mm -hmm. like they don't have any like passion. Like they're just like, ah, whatever, be a star. I'm going to rise above the hate, blah, blah, blah. Like, well, it's not, you'll get mad. It's, it's difficult to book the dominant baby face because Hulk Hogan was like a once in a like like a once in a generation type of guy, and it was also the right time for Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Like like you put Hulk Hogan in the John Cena era, and he gets booed as badly as John Cena did all the time. Um, worse because Hulk Hogan didn't have the charisma to fucking be able to play with it in the, in the way that John Cena did. Right. Um, but the the baby faces that WWE ha- has had that have worked the best have been guys who are able to fight from underneath like a Bret Hart or a Steve Austin or a Daniel Bryan or, you know, people, people of that sort. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to book really strong dominant baby faces. Um, which is why you wonder like why they keep trying to ram their head against a brick wall when it's, <laughs> when, when they're having trouble doing it. Yeah, like so. I, I get it, man. Like you, you, you can either have it be, you want the big, tall, muscular dude, mm-hmm. but like big, tall, muscular people are naturally intimidating. Well, right? and, and but that's the thing. So like, it, like with John Cena, they would always book John Cena like a underdog babyface, and then he, and then like I said, the running joke was he'd get his ass kicked for 10 minutes and then five moves of doom. And then John Cena, LOL Cena wins. Like, like that was like you, like if you're going to, if you're going to treat him like Hulk Hogan, book him like Hulk Hogan, like, like make him a fucking monster that the heel has to overcome. You know what I mean? Like, like don't like you're insulting the audience's intelligence. And when you make Roman Reigns do the same thing, because they booked Roman Reigns very similarly in terms of how he, how he performed in matches where he would get his ass kicked for 10 minutes and then Superman punch people and spear them. Right. Like, like you're insulting the audience's intelligence at that point. Let him kick ass. You know what I mean? And make, make, yeah. make the max match make sense psychologically, but alternatively turn him heel and let him fucking run with it because he's an amazing heel. Yeah, man. It turns out like people, people gone are the era of, you know, good versus evil. Like there's, there's room for good versus evil, but like everything is more interesting with shades of gray Mm. and, and just the, the, the characters, because that's what I watch wrestling for, right? Like the primary reason I watch wrestling is for the character work, right? Mm. It's a, it's a soap opera for dudes. Right. And, um, and just some of the character work is, 
some of the character work is just some of the decisions that are being made are baffling. Mm-hmm. But uh, look, they they the work it's working right now. And uh, look, this WrestleMania, um, while I preferred the moment to moment of night one, mm-hmm. um, I think I like some of the I I like Roman Reigns. I like the the main event of the last night more than the first. Mm-hmm. I like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn more than the majority of the matches in the first. Um, but I liked watching all of the up matches in the first night more mm. than all of the matches in the second night. So it's a, it, it's, it was weird, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't bad. No. And, and look, the, the thing about WrestleMania, if you can end it well, that the last thing people see, the last emotion that they feel that's the that's how you judge a WrestleMania mm-hmm. usually, and uh, and I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed both nights, man. I really did. It was a lot of fun. I and like I said, credit. Uh, I I was uh, I was actually really happy to get the fans back. I didn't think that I would enjoy them as much. Credit to that crowd. I'm hard on crowds all the time, uh, rightfully so, because a lot of them like to go into business for themselves, and smarks are annoying as shit. But they played their part correctly. Um, they were loud. They cheered and booed the right people. Um, they genuinely got behind some folks and that made those matches like really enjoyable to watch. Um, yeah, they, they, I think the crowd was excellent and, uh, and I appreciate the fact that they, at least for one night, uh, did what they needed to do (laughs) without pissing me off. So, uh, so, um, um, very quickly before we go. Uh, a couple yeah. wrestling questions from the post office from so Haitian Michael first asked, you mean to tell me that the fiend, the man who was buried under a mountain of chairs and got up, the man who took like seven curb stomps and got up, the man who never sells any moves because he's just that guy lost after one, one, not six, but one <laughs> RKO. Uh, yes, that just shows you how amazingly dominant the RKO is. There you go. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Either that or how terribly weak the stomps are uh and i don't want to put that out there because i don't want kids to be like oh this is weak see and then just stomp (laughs) stomp people's heads in so no the rko i mean it damn near broke the man's neck yeah here's the thing like like certain finishers need to be protected and certain finishers don't the cur the stomp does not need to be protected the rko it absolutely does yeah like 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 you you want that mysticism around the rko uh that there is uh, Johnny asks, was Roman retaining the right call? Yes, because yeah. I don't, I think the storylines are more interesting with him as champion than they are with either of the other two guys. And and yeah. the storyline for them is more interesting with them not being champion. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I can't wait till, till those two like really get at it. Right. Because they're both like passionate to the point of like, overacting like all, all right all right edge calm down a bit like i know this is like all you've ever wanted but like chill right and same thing with daniel Bryan. all right i i get it chill but they both have very similar stories they both have similar uh uh styles when it comes to the the passion they exude uh it, it's it's like the spider-man meme right like this is the this is the the match of two eras 
mm-hmm. that needs to that needs to happen. And then Roman, you can literally do whatever you want with Roman. You can have people come up to the tribal chief and is like, I want to match with you. And he's just like he he sends out his his underbosses. He sends out Balrog and Vega and Sagat <laughs> before you get to him. You know what I'm saying? Um, do you want the rock to be involved in this story? Oh, fuck no. Come on. I, I've heard, yeah, I've heard rumors of people who are like, oh, maybe the Rock will face Roman Reigns uh, at Russell. <laughs> what what good no. does that do anybody? If you're going to make Roman a fucking monster and taking the belt off of him is going to be a significant event, give that to somebody that will actually benefit from it. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I mean, at this point, in all seriousness, the guy that probably needs to ultimately take the title from him, and I don't know if and when it's going to happen, is probably Big E. I I agree. Mm-hmm. I don't see it happening though. Really? Not any not not anytime soon. I I feel like he's going to be um in this in this feud with Apollo for for at least another pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um and and uh he's got to he's got to win but not win the title. And then he'll be like, you know what? I gotta, I, I gotta move on to bigger and better things. I don't know. I think, I think he, him, I think him losing the IC titles, the blow off is is him graduating above that uh, above that belt mm-hmm. at this point. Um, I'm really fine do. with it, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I think Big E is. Uh, I'm not. I'm Big not. E is, I'm not saying that he's gonna immediately go into a feud with Roman. By the way, um, like okay. I think if you're gonna give him the title, you have to do it at one of your marquee events. Yeah. Um, but I think he's going to start heading in that direction. The, honestly, you, you know, the guy that I think that you'll see big E feud with next, uh, is Seth Rollins, <laughs> which I think, which I think is a, is a logical next step for him moving towards yeah. that belt. Um, last, but certainly least cam, uh, asks, what was your <laughs> match of the week? For TakeOver and WrestleMania, respectively. Um, Mike, you can't speak TakeOver, like he said. But again, I, I I think this was the rare pair of shows where the main event was the best match on the card. Yeah. In both, in both <laughs> cases. Like, like it's, it's not usually that way. But in this case, I think it was. I think they were both the best. Um, he said, do you like that for once? We got a WrestleMania that essentially focused on the future of WWE with almost all the champs being potential future faces of the company or at least near that level rather than putting over some 50-year-old part-timers. You know, that's something that I didn't really think about too much. And it is surprising because you would think that WWE moving to Peacock, trying to sell that service as much as possible, helping NBC do that, um, would result in a lot of cameos from guys that we don't necessarily need to see. And yeah. and honestly, the only person who was on the card that isn't a regular wrestler was Shane McMahon. Like everybody else was, you know, was, was here. The celebrities that did get involved, either you had bad bunny, which was like we said, way better than it had any right to be or Logan Paul, who was just sitting on the outside of the ring and making faces like, like that's, that's what you want uh, from those guys. Um, it is encouraging. And and again, like like some of the guys like Ray Ripley walking out with a title, Apollo Crews. Uh, again, for, for a lot of folks that complained about the mismanagement of Apollo Crews, I just want to point out Apollo Crews left WrestleMania with the second most important championship on their most important show. Yeah. That's a significant event that I don't think people 
are putting in their head. So that kind of gives you a sense of where he is right now. Um, you know, Bianca Belair is a champion. Um, pretty good night. Bobby Lashley is a champion, which, again, I think is a little surprising for a lot of folks when the uh, when they first looked at it. Um, not that Bobby Lashley is like the future of WWE, but, <laughs> you know, he's, right. you know, but it's it's good, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's a pretty cool thing that they that they uh, tried some different things this year. Yeah, I think um, I think that um, them being on Peacock maybe they're like well maybe we'll get a maybe we'll get a brand new audience and we can all start fresh mm-hmm. right like we don't have to i i i really hope that this is a a thing where they're not they're, they they don't feel the need to kind of rely on the older the older stars and yeah this is awesome man it, this was a this was a good couple of nights i think it was a really positive showcase um, well and and fuck's sake like even even the times that they cut to to fucking Hulk Hogan really was a showcase for Bailey. <laughs> right. <laughs> for all intents and purposes. <laughs> I was more to get Bailey over than anything else, so it's interesting. Uh yeah, the the Florida crowd booing Hogan, uh, you know what? Uh, I, I I uh we can't it's not all bad in Florida. It's not all bad. Yeah. Any other final thoughts? No, nah, this was a this was a solid show. Um, B plus, A minus, I guess. Yeah. Um, I the good outweighed the bad, um, and uh, and yeah, I I really enjoyed it. All right. Well, again, uh, Discord. Go to densepixels.com slash fans. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash densepixels. Follow us on Twitch. Uh, densepixels Brad Apparition four ten Suffits Carry. That's it. Thank you guys for listening and watching. We'll see you the next time. See you.